Welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. You have four days, you, well, you don't have four days left to buy the book. You can buy the book anytime you want, but if you want to get some tremendous bonuses, like all the audio files of the book, which if you didn't get them, you could buy them on Audible later, and many bonus recipes that weren't included, not because they're not great, but because at some point we had to just published the book, as well as a video of my very famous double layer frosted vanilla carrot cake and that recipe. All you need to do is buy the book by Sunday, October 18th. I've got to put the year in, I realize 2020. And by midnight, just email us the receipt to chefajbonus at yahoo.com and we will immediately send you all these bonuses. So what's interesting about today's guest is like so many of the guests on the show, they come from other guests, either a recommendation of the guest or because you guys say, I'd sure like to meet that person. So we had on a wonderful chef who is the chef for Mama Says, who we love. It's a food delivery service of whole food plants base and she even has an SOS free bundle, no sugar, no oil, no salt. It's Chef AJ approved and it's Dr. Ellen Goldhammer approved. So Chef Caroline was on the show and she was talking about She's very athletic. She went to Wheaton and she had this coach that was plant-based and it just sounded really interesting. And people said, well, bring the coach on, bring the coach on. Well, the coach is on today and they actually did a great story about him, Mama Says, which I'll link to in the show notes, but his name is Pari Pandian and he is now the coach, the tennis coach at, he was at Wheaton when Caroline knew him, but he's at Brandeis now. Please welcome Coach Pari to the show. It's so nice to meet you. Chef AJ, thank you so much for, for having me. It's uh, I'm excited to be here. Well, what's so cool is before the show started, you said you knew who I was. I don't expect people to know who I was, but you said you heard me on the Ritual podcast. And that's so cool that you listen to that po podcast and so cool that you're plant-based and that you're using it for good because, you know, college students are, are kind of still a little bit impressionable. I mean, like they they, they still, I think they, they're willing to make a change because I know that's when I went vegan was my first day of college, mm -hmm. September 1st, 1987 at the University of Pennsylvania. And I think when people do these changes younger, I think they're easier and more likely to stick. So I'm going to just turn it over to you. Tell us your story. Sure. Yeah. I, I think I, I completely agree with, with that. And I, I really love the fact that I feel like the college students that I'm working with um, have all been really receptive to it. And I think uh, the nice thing working in college athletics is that I'm recruiting all the players on my team. So I'm building relationships with them from the time they're sort of in the middle of their high school careers for the most part. And so I think even by the time, even before they get to campus and certainly when they get to campus, we already come in with a, a pretty strong level of trust and, and respect. So I think they know that I'm looking out for their best interests and, and they're very generally very coachable and receptive to it. But um, but yeah, Caroline was a great player to coach. I had a lot of fun coaching her. She's just got a great spirit about her, a really hardworking, hardworking person. And uh, I was certainly excited when she she went down the career path that she that she did. Um, but, um, but yeah, my, my path to, I've been vegan for, um, a little over eight years. Um, and I had cut dairy a couple of years prior to that. Um, and I'm in my mid thirties now, but, um, so I kind of made this switch in my, in my, uh, later twenties and, uh, something I, you know, I wish I had done it much sooner, but I think we, we make changes in life when we make them and when we're ready for them. And so, um, but yeah, for me, I think looking back on it, kind of the start of this was uh, almost in high school where I kind of had some GI issues. It wasn't anything super serious, but it started sort of at the end of at the end of high school and then at the beginning of college. And I remember being at school and I saw I remember having some issues and I saw the went to the health center on campus and then 
saw a physician in that area and then saw my PCP and then saw a GI specialist and they had me try all sorts of medications and do all these different things, but they, not one of them actually asked me what my diet was like. And so um, I think they were just like, he's young, he's fit, you know, there's gotta be something weird going on. It can't be, it can't be diet. And so um, we tried a variety of different things. It didn't really work. And I just basically was like, I need to at least try, I'm eating kind of the way a, a college freshman tends to eat. So not eating the best things in the dining hall and uh, you know, a little bit too much late night junk food and, and whatnot. And I, I scaled that back and um, just felt better. And, and that sort of kind of in the short term solved some of those issues. Um, and I wasn't vegan by any stretch at that time, uh, but that was sort of my first connection between nutrition and, and sort of just how I, how I felt on a, on a day-to-day basis, which was a really important thing that kind of probably like was one of the first steps in leading me down this path. Um, and, um, and yeah, and then I sort of started like making smarter, some different choices. I cut, I pretty much cut red meat from my, from my diet and, um, I had switched to lower fat dairy. I think I found that foods with, with high fat content contents and especially higher saturated fat contents seemed to kind of just aggravate my stomach. So I was kind of trying to scale those back. I think, you know, the longer I've been vegan, I, I've sort of learned more about sort of differentiating between saturated fat from plant plant-based foods versus versus animal foods. But at the time I wasn't quite there. Um, and, um, yeah, so after I, after I finished my, my undergrad, I was, um, I moved back to Boston was living just a a typical post-college life. I was um, a teaching pro at a, at a health club, um, outside of the city and was doing that for a few years. Um, wasn't super healthy, but you know, I didn't, I felt okay. And, um, after a few years that I had the opportunity to actually become the assistant coach at, at Brandeis where I'm now the head coach. And, um, after my first year, when I started there, I was, I was part-time. And so I was still coaching at this club. And at the end of the, at the end of the academic year, I was just exhausted. I, I was just, I was on court probably 50 hours a week, whether it was teaching or hitting or whatever I was doing. And I knew that I needed to figure out something because I loved what I was doing, but I just felt like what I was doing wasn't sustainable from a personal health standpoint. So um, I actually remember talking to um, a friend of mine in the coaching world. And he said that he was, he had kind of gone through a similar experience and he switched to, um, to a, a vegan diet and it worked for him. And so I, I was certainly skeptical at first, which I think is not uncommon among, among athletes, certainly probably at that, at that age as well. And, um, when I started doing my research, I actually saw that even at that point, which was like 2012, there was, there was more and more pro athletes that were kind of going down that route. I think Brendan Brazier, is one of the more prominent ones. Um, but in the tennis world, Venus and Serena Williams had gone, had gone plant-based. And um, I think they did it for, I think Venus had a, an autoimmune issue or something like that. And so that was the reason for it. But I was like, well, these are two of the greatest tennis players in the history of the sport that are going this route. Um, you know, this, that's certainly encouraging. And, uh, and I had also started doing a little boxing in my free time around then. And they're, um, 
Timothy Bradley was a boxer who, who was vegan and, and Mac Danzig is a, I think a UFC fighter who was vegan. So I sort of started seeing these pro athletes doing that. And I always feel like pro athletes are going to do whatever gives them sort of the next best edge and um you know hopefully ideally in in healthy ways uh but um so i was like all right i'm gonna give it a, i'm gonna give it a try for a couple of weeks and it just went spectacularly well and i felt so much better so quickly that um i was like i just can't i can't give this up like i gotta i just feel i felt too good um and actually after those first two weeks i had uh, a non-vegan meal and I felt so bad after it um, that I was like this it, it really clicked in for me and so um, so yeah that was over eight years ago and and I don't see myself ever ever changing changing what I'm doing so that uh, that brings us to more more to today that that is fantastic now I have to know who is this coach where does he coach the one that tipped you off he, um, he's in, in NorCal, actually, he's in clo closer to you. He, um, he played college tennis at this small school in Kansas and then was a, a teaching pro for a while. And now he, he teaches, um, he teaches tennis up in, uh, in the Bay area, I think. And so, um, haven't connected with him in a while, but he's certainly the one that sort of pushed me down this, down this path. Well, connect with him make sure he's still plant-based. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he, he definitely is. He definitely is. That's it. He's on he's on Instagram. I know he's uh he's probably a bit more, I think I've uh he he's probably a bit stricter with um, you know, being more whole food plant-based than than I am, but um he's still he's still on it. But yeah, I, I owe quite a bit of uh my my life experience to that conversation with him. Uh, so, which is, um, which is, it's funny how, how things sort of just play out like that sometimes. Yeah. Here's a fun question from Pauline. Have you ever tried pickleball? I have. Yes, I am not. It's, there's a learning curve, so I'm not that good at it, <laughs> but, um, but it's a fun sport. The funny thing is um, I think with tennis coaches, it's, they generally find their time playing other racket sports more so than tennis. Um, just cause I think we're on, we're on the tennis court. We're working, we're teaching quite often. So, um, but they're all hard. They're, the dimensions are different. The, um, the, the logistics of the sport are a little different. So I think we got some of the core skills, but, um, um, but yeah, I, I played a little bit of pickleball and, um, and a lot of beach tennis actually, uh, whenever I can, can find that as well. I love pickleball. It's very popular where I live in the desert, but I tore my rotator cuff playing oh, no. and, it's, and it's been seven, it's been almost eight months and it's so oh, it's, I still can't play. It's killing okay. me, but it's so fun. You know, I have teachers, I have friends that are teachers, maybe on the high school level, maybe they teach biology or they even teach at college. And like, you can't like force your students to go vegan, but they, they mm -hmm. subtly make recommendations. Like maybe in the class, they might show a film like forks over knives. And I'm yep. wondering if you ever suggest to your students to watch game changers yeah i um i i whether it's game changers forks over knives i think i kind of try to will will kind of try to connect them with wherever their interest lies so if there are if it's like purely from an athletic standpoint then game changers and forks over knives are um are great if it's someone who's sort of potentially interested in it from an environmental perspective i'll be like oh you should have you watched cowspiracy and um, go down that route. But yeah, I think you're 100% right. It's sort of just planting planting seeds. And the way I like to think about it is I just try to model 
model what I'm doing and sort of figure out where their interests lie. Um, and um, it, it's, I think the, some of the challenges with the, with like game changers or forks overnights, once you watch it, you know that it's not like a dry documentary. It's really engaging. It's really easy to watch. Um, but sometimes being like, oh, here's this great documentary to watch. People aren't always as enthusiastic in that way uh, until they watch it. And then they're like, oh, this was, this was great. But yeah, trying to just figure out what the best way to connect with, um, with each person is in that regard. Do you get new students every year or, do, or like, because if they're on a team, they're staying there the whole time they're in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they're gonna, they're gonna play all four years. And, um, and then yeah, with each, with each class, we're trying to bring in a new set of new set of players to replace the graduating seniors. And, um, and yeah, I'd say, you know, I think our, our retention rate, it's, it's generally like somewhere probably 95% of our players end up being on the team all four years. There's sometimes some odd circumstances, but um but, uh, but yeah, for the most part, all four years. So we're able to sort of build those relationships. And um, I think every, I think college kids are getting much, they're, they're certainly much more health conscious and nutrition conscious than, than I was when I was in college and my peers were. And um, it was, you know, I, I started college 16, 16 years ago. So um, we've, we've come a long way from, you know, we were, our coach was taking us to honestly to, fast food after a match and now we we compete somewhere and it's like okay where, where can we find a healthy option to go get some food um not necessarily exclusively a plant-based place but just somewhere that's where, where people are going to actually be able to put good things into their body yeah you know i i used to when i lived in la lived for like 25 years across the street from this huge park called the van eisterman oaks park so they had a lot of like sports there for younger kids mm -hmm. they had you know t-ball and soccer and baseball always something going on and like after the games like the parents would just bring them the worst possible fruit <laughs> not any fruit you know crispy yeah. cream and it's like yeah. this is how these little kids are taught like to celebrate and that's not sure. so healthy no no they it's absolutely not and it's it's still not uncommon in sort of in high school and in younger younger um groups of kids playing playing tennis and um it's i think we train we're together so much and we're training so much that i think the kids are pretty in tune with their they become much more in tune with their bodies and i also think they're so conscious of energy level and, and recovery, recovery time and recovery quality. And I think anyone who goes, who's in athletics and, and just in general, who goes more plant-based realizes those two specific things really improve pretty dramatically when you, when you go plant-based. And, and that was really one of the big things that happened to me. That was sort of like the, the light bulb, you know, lighting up to make this all click. I was like, if there's anything that athletes care about is it's, it's those two things. So um, I think when the kids have tried to, when the players have tried to add stuff into their diet and they see that, that they make that connection, it just sort of spurs them to do more and more and more. It like gives you an edge in a way. For sure. For sure. Yeah. We're, I mean, I think whatever your sport is as a college athlete, you're, you're training, you know, you're training pretty much every day and you're sometimes competing um, depending on the sport, you're competing on back-to-back -back days or, you know, two matches in three days. Um, and so recovery, just being able to be fresh and feel good the next, uh, the next day is, is really important. And it's just for injury prevention. It's, it's so huge to just make sure you're putting these good things into your body that are going to help it 
that are going to help it here, help it heal. So Caroline, who's watching live, says, my dad has been playing tennis for 50 years and went vegan earlier this year. And he said he's playing the best tennis of his life now <laughs> at 64. See, it's not a coincidence. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, I think that you just, tennis is one of those sports where if you just feel, and I think this is all sports, if you feel good on court, you're going to move better. You're going to, you're going to move quicker. You're going to, you know, feel better the next day. You're going to sleep better. You're just going to have more clarity. So I'm not, not surprised to hear that. I just think going plant-based puts people in a really great mental space um, to be successful at whatever they're doing. Other than Chef Caroline, how many other players would you say you have influenced that maybe still are plant-based? And do you ever like go to somebody when you're working with them or maybe they had a match and you said, well, you know, if you had been vegan, you might have won. <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite so blunt about it. Um, I have a few players, um, a couple of Caroline's teammates, actually, um, who, who are still who are still fully vegan. And then a lot of people that um, that have sort of just dramatically increased their, the amount of plant-based foods that they're, they're eating. I have one player on my, in my team, uh, on a men's team that I coached years ago, who, um, he, he just, his, he was, he wasn't feeling great on court. He felt slow. He felt like he wasn't recovering quickly. And he, um, he cut, I was like, let's try cutting dairy. Let's see how that, let's see how that goes. And he, he has done that since, for probably five or six years at this point. So um, he saw pretty quick results from, from that, which was, which was great. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think the way that I will sometimes word it to my players and to, to people, if they don't feel great after a training session or after competition is like, okay, well, what did you put in your body? What, what have you been putting in your body recently? And sort of helping them sort of make those connections um, on their own, as opposed to, you know, I feel like, I'm like, well, like you should have, you should have done this. They're going to sort of tune out <laughs> a little bit. And so, um, so yeah, just trying to help them make those connections on their own. Well, what I love about your story and the opportunity to interview you is, you know, not everybody goes vegan because they saw a PBS special with mm -hmm. Dr. Furman or Dr. Greger. And while many have, there are so many quiet everyday heroes. And I always think about the saying to teach is to touch a life forever. And imagine mm -hmm. how Caroline's life would have been different if she hadn't met you and gone vegan. I mean, now look what she's doing in the world, eating amazing plant-based food because a coach in college told her about the plant-based diet. And see, I, this is, I love these kind of stories because this is how people make a difference is just, just kind of quietly in their life, influencing people or, or, you know, the way you are. So I just think it's really cool. And thank you for doing that because it's so awesome. Well, I, I appreciate the, the kind words. And um, I think, yeah, I think I'm, I, it, the, the change happened to me by a lot of, a lot of little things happening along the way. And it's, it's hard to imagine how my life would be different or how I could sort of exist almost eight years late, eight years after making this change where I feel like it's such a strong part of how I think through my day. Like, you know, I, there's not a lot of things that you're thinking about, you know, multiple times a day, every single day, but what you're putting in your body is, is certainly one of them and one of the most significant ones. And so, um, and I think as a teacher, it's sort of beyond winning tennis matches and, you know, getting ranked players ranked and winning awards and all that and all that stuff. I mean, I think my responsibility as, as a coach for, for all of the play the student athletes on my teams is to just really help them develop into the best version of themselves. And, and just broad health and wellness is a huge part of that. 
and you know they're they're eventually going to have their own families and they're going to be influencing other people right and so i think that the more the more i can sort of get them moving along this type of path where they're putting better quality things into their body the the more they're going to be inspired to continue it and and hopefully inspire other people to do so as well so we got a lot of questions on what you're recommending so jennifer says I'm curious, what is his go-to pre-match meal or recovery meal? And then Matt says, what are some of your go-to foods meals that you eat before training and matches? Sure. Yeah. Great questions. Um, I think um, it's, we do, I do a lot of smoothies and like recommend those just because they're kind of easy. And it kind of depending on what, if it's before a match, just having like heavier on, heavier on fruits, carbs that are going to just give you quick, quick energy is going to, are going to be really, really useful. So really fruit forward, heavy smoothies. And then I think after, after training, you know, one of my go-tos is a smoothie with, you know, whatever non-dairy milk you'd prefer. And then some, some peanut butter or some sort of nut butter and some like flaxseed. And, um, I'll usually throw in some cacao nibs and then, um, couple of bananas and some more, some, some, a handful or a couple of handfuls of some greens, whatever, whatever greens you like. And, um, and then some frozen, some frozen fruits. So I think that one of the big things with these meals is um, just making sure that there's plenty in them. You know, you can, you can make a delicious smoothie that has like a hundred calories. It's probably not gonna, it's not gonna fuel you. Right. But you know, if you're, adding in some of these things, whether it's, whether it's not others, whether it's a couple of like, you know, two or three bananas instead of one or half a banana. And like from, even from, in terms of, instead of ice throwing in frozen mangoes, stuff like that, that's just more calorie dense, um, is going to be really, really impactful. And, um, and then I think it's just, I, I think it is useful. And one thing that I've done throughout, um, not as much lately, but back when I was a little younger and when I was sort of training more, um, as an athlete myself was just kind of doing some food tracking. I would use the, my fitness pal app, which was good to be able to sort of just track that. So if I wanted to go into say a six to eight week period of time where I was like, okay, I want to try to put on a little bit extra muscle mass. I could sort of track it and be like, okay, how can I add in, you know, 500 calories per day or whatever that might be. And so I think different people have different relationships with meal tracking and calorie counting and, and all of that. But, um, those are, I, I just, I generally just do a, a couple of big smoothies most days. Um, I think during training and during competition dates are just like a really simple, good shot of, of healthy sugar, so to speak into your, that are just going to keep you sustained. Um, it's not going to last very long, but, um, bars that are, that are date based are going to be going to be good. But I, I mean, I, I generally, even with our teams, I'll just stack pitted, I'll have pitted dates. And those are just like a really good snack as opposed to, you know, some sort of gel or, or something like that. So um, just to think the more natural it can be the, the better. So um, and then I think in the evenings, I think um, it, depend, it kind of depends on what we're trying to do, but after, after a match or after like a hard training session, I think just making sure, again, you're getting enough calories. So if you're going to like, you know, if, if you, if you eat pasta, like making sure that you have pasta with, you know, sauces that have some hearty, some hearty vegetables in there, whether that's potatoes, sweet potatoes, throwing some beans, beans in there 
you know, lentil stuff that I don't, I'm not that person that's going to be huge on protein. You know, I think everyone in this world, in the vegan world knows that there's a huge overemphasis on, on protein. Um, but I do think that being full longer and getting enough calories is important. And, you know, proteins and, and carbs just have a higher calorie count per gram of whatever that item um, is. So they can definitely be more filling and like, you know, you don't want to wake up in the middle of the night starving because you had, you know, not enough to eat that, um, that day. Yeah, Matt says, do you think athletes in tennis, and I would say in general too, place too much emphasis on protein rich meals and protein powders? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, I, I, I think your body can only handle so much protein. Um, and so I think that, um, in general people, I think in terms of recovery, yeah, there, there is a use for it. Um, but I think that just getting that calorie count up is going to sort of do a similar, do a similar thing. Um, proteins in some cases will just keep you full a little bit longer. So you, if you don't feel like you want to eat like all the time, then adding in some protein rich meals is just going to, you know, prevent that from happening. Um, and, and I think for, for people that are in more strict weight training programs or in bodybuilding or like that type of stuff, I think that there's a, there is some nuance there, um, towards that, but it kind of just, I think, I, I think it's overemphasized. Um, I'm not sure. I, I forget where I remember reading this, but I think, um, I want to say in the late sixties, uh, George McGovern, the old Senator commissioned the McGovern report, right. Where he like he wanted to talk about basically how people in the U S were eating too much, too much meat and dairy. And then there was a huge lobbying effort against it. And they had to, they started breaking it down into the component parts and they were like, well, saturated fat isn't good from red meat. Isn't good, but you need protein. And that was my understanding is that was one of the ways that the vocabulary around a lot of this changed within the country. And so now, products are, they sell more if they list the word protein in big letters on their packaging. And so I think we got to just be con cognizant of why, why we're wired to preference certain things more, more than others. So I remember reading that and being like, oh, like I, I don't need that much protein. Um, so, yeah. You know, I imagine the people that you coach, they probably don't have weight problems. I'm wondering, like do you, the, the other students at the school, have you noticed obesity increasing in general? Um, I don't, th I don't think it's been dramatic on college campuses. I actually think that uh, because colleges and, and, you know, I've, I've worked at two different colleges in my career. So, and I've went, I went to one other that were all kind of pretty similar in their style. So based on my experience, I think one of the things that we are seeing is that people are coming to college with more specific diets they follow or more food restrictions. And so colleges are really being forced to have to accommodate that, which is really great thing. Um, and so I don't, I haven't noticed it as, I haven't noticed an increase in that. I actually think that it's like been, I've been pretty happy with how how much more health conscious people are becoming. Um, I would imagine that there's, there's generally going to be some challenges more around, around gender. And I, and I think that, you know, for, for college age women, just um, having really great um, positive body image perspectives goes, goes a long way. And it's just to make sure that they're, they're eating enough and eating, eating good things. Um, so I think that's definitely, Part of it and even within athletics that's something that we need to be cognizant of because 
you know, those two things, when we're in season, I don't really want my players losing weight. Like we got to, we're training hard. You got to make sure that you're eating enough to fuel what you're, what you're doing. Um, and so I think that they're, I've been happy that colleges in general, I think uh, are, are recognizing that and they're trying to give kids resources and support groups and information about how best to manage that on campus. That's great. Uh, Caroline filled me in a little bit about you and uh, she said your dad's actually a cardiologist but he doesn't seem to either follow or believe in this diet. Correct. Yeah, he's uh, he is a cardiologist. He did. I, I think he's very much um, he's kind of you know that Michael Pollan phrase, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. He's kind of more in line with that line of thinking where he's basically like, everything is probably okay in moderation. And it's going to be more for most people, it's going to be more sustainable. Um, that being said, my mom does most of the cooking at home and she cooks a very vegetarian heavy diet. So he, you know, he's, he says he doesn't subscribe to it, but in fact, he is eating large, largely vegetarian and a lot of vegan, a, a lot of vegan food. Um, and my mom actually has been vegetarian my whole life, and she dramatically cut her her dairy kind of probably a couple of years into my my vegan journey. And um, and she felt she was like, oh my god, I can't believe how much better I feel. And so she is stuck with that. I think she says she she still puts a little bit of milk into her. Uh, into her tea every day, but that's, uh, that's about it. So, uh, but yeah, no, my, I think getting physicians to buy into this stuff is, is sometimes a bit challenging. You know, I, I love my dad to death. He can be a bit stubborn or stubborn about, about some of these. And well, is he familiar uncommon. with, is he, since he's a cardiologist, he, I'm guessing he might've been a member of the American College of Cardiology. Mm -hmm. Is he familiar with the past president, Kim Williams, who said there's only two kinds of cardiologists, vegan and those who haven't read the data? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that he, I've, I've certainly brought that up to him and, and he's sort of like, you know, I think he's like, I, I don't, and, and I sort of philosophically understand the idea that, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the health difference is between someone who's like 80 or 90 or a hundred percent vegan intuitively. I'm like, well, I, I think this person is, but if the person that's a hundred percent plant-based is eating you know, four, three or four beyond burgers every, every week, like that's probably not that healthy. Right. And so I think, um, Sorry. he's, he's, um, he's sort of more along the lines of just, he he's considered my whole life. He's like everything in moderation, everything in moderation. So I, I've tried to convince him, but it only, it only goes so far. Let's bring him on and let me work on him a while. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he lives in, they, my parents live in SoCal. So maybe we'll make that, we'll see if we can. Uh, what city? What uh, city? They're in Laguna, uh, they're in Laguna Niguel. Wow, that's, that's incredible. So yeah. what about your immediate family? Like, I, I think you're married, maybe have kids. I don't know for sure. Yes, yeah, yeah, my, um, I'm, I'm married. My, my wife and I have uh, a 12 week old um with us so we just had a baby over the over the summer and congratulations um, oh, thank wow. you thank you yeah they i think they just went for a walk uh, a little while ago but um yeah my wife's my wife's vegetarian um and i do most of the cooking at home so we end up eating i mean i end up eating exclusively vegan and she's eating mostly mostly vegan um as well i think um she the book Eating Animals by 
Jonathan Saffron for was really impactful for her around sort of just um, learning about factory farming processes and, and all of that. So um, that was definitely, you know, kind of one of one of the big things that spurred her change to going vegetarian. And, um, and yeah, so we're, we're happily at home, but yeah, I'm the, my, my parents moved to the U S from India in the, uh, in the early seventies, pretty much settled and had been in Boston for about 40 40 years or so, and then basically went into a semi-retirement in Southern California. I think they were done with, they were done with Boston winters. And so um, I'm the, and my, my uh, sister and her family live in, uh, in Kenya. And so uh, most of my extended family is in India. So I'm the, the last in my, in my immediate family in, in the Boston area, but my, my wife is from this area as well. And her, um, her, her extended family is all right around here. Wow. So it sounds like the women in the family really need to read the books, The Cheese Traps and Body and Balance by Dr. Neil Barnard, because they the understand dairy is really uh, probably more deleterious even than the meat. And it's more harm. I mean, if you're interested in the cruelty aspect that it's probably even crueler than meat. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I certainly I certainly so easy do. Going. My God, you're so you're so easygoing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that for all of this stuff, it's sort of people, people, people need to come to it when they're, when they're ready to. And so I, I think that's what happened to me. And like, I, I even remember like distinctly when I talked to that coach who ultimately I kind of followed his advice to go vegan. I remember him telling him talking about just the issue around the overemphasis around protein. And I remember in my head thinking like, you know, there might be something to veganism, but like we need protein, like we need protein. We're athletes. We need this. And, um, and now, you know, eight years, over eight years later, I'm like, well, we, we definitely don't, <laughs> but um, that was my initial response. So I, I mean, I think um, it's just, it's going to be a process for everyone sort of how they, how they come to it. And so um I think that early on my first few years, I was probably a little, tried to be a little bit more pushier or harsher about how I, how I was communicating about it with people. And now I'm like, you know, everyone's going to do what they feel like is best and what feels healthy to them. What about any other of the coaches and the other athletics in your school or anybody else like you? uh, Yeah, we, I think um, our, our, we have a number, I think like a lot of people who are, um, who really drastically reduced or, um, or stopped consuming dairy. And then I think there's, I believe there's one other coach in my, in my department. Um, I believe our assistant men's basketball coach, who I think is, is also pretty much vegan. And then a lot of people who are either just like scaling it, scaling it back. And even, you know, pre pandemic, I think just even going out to grab a bite with people, you just sort of see, I mean, I think that the, the type of things people are ordering now compared to, 10 years ago when I first got into college coaching are, are drastically different. And um, I think the nice thing being in the Boston area, and I would imagine near most cities is that it, it's become a lot easier to have accessible, like for vegan food to be really accessible without having to cook all the time. Um, and, and I say that with Boston's okay. It's certainly not Southern California or, or Denver or, or Asheville or any of those type of places, but um, there's definitely, Pretty much everywhere you go now, there's going to be something on the menu that works and, and plenty of really good options at specific places. 
You mentioned your sister lives in Africa. That's so cool because I'm, I'm hosting this GI Health Summit next month. And when I interview the GI doctors, they talk about how all the diseases we have here, like colon cancer and breast cancer, mm-hmm. they just don't have. So I, yeah. I, I imagine whether your sister is vegan or not, she's probably eats a lot healthier than a lot of people. Just living. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, um, she's not, she doesn't, I don't, they don't eat a tremendous amount of, of meat. Um, I think they like, it's, um, I would say they're mostly vegan, but certainly not all the way vegan. My brother-in-law was actually strictly vegan for quite a, for, for a little bit after, um, after I had gone vegan and actually they, they've kind of hopped around a little bit, but I think we were, I forget if we were on vacation somewhere or I was just visiting them and he was like, this is much easier than I thought it was going to be. And so I think he had, um, he made that switch for a while. And, and now I think he's, he's, they're both mostly vegan, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think in those both, I think in Africa and in, in Asia, and I can sort of speak more specifically even to India, the main diet was so whole food plant-based already that a lot of these, these issues with heart disease and, and diabetes and, and high cholesterol and all that stuff, it just didn't really exist there. And in India, all of those those issues are increasing as more restaurants and 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 um, just eating establishments that are from Europe or from the U.S. are starting to pop up there. And now we're seeing obesity go up. We're seeing more heart disease. We're seeing more diabetes. We're seeing you know an assortment of issues that didn't really exist when my parents were growing up there. So, um, which is you know, somewhat just dis- a little disheartening, but my hope is that people are going to start to, to recognize that and, um, and make some, make some adjustments there as well. The players you have that you talk to about diet and they're not interested, did they give a reason why? I think it's, I think it's one, they either don't think it'll work or two, they just, people just want to eat what they want to eat. And I think a lot of people don't want to be told what to put in their body. Um, and so I try not to be, I think the big thing I try to really get across to everyone is just recognize how you feel after you put different things in your body and, and then don't lie to yourself. If you put, if you eat a couple of really nice vegetable, heavy meal forward meals, and you feel really good after that, don't think it's for some other reason. Like that's probably why. And so that's sort of what I try to try to do. And I think that in general, our, our players on the women's team have been more receptive to it. Um, but at least earlier on in their college years, I think uh, with players on the men's team, I think by the time they're juniors and seniors and they've had a couple of years of experience under their belt, they, they realize the importance of it. Um, it's just a, a slightly longer process to get them on board with, with that type of stuff sometimes. So um so yeah, that's oftentimes how it plays out, but no, it's not strictly like that. For those that aren't interested in vegan, do you ever just say, well, just at least don't eat processed food like sugar, like that's not going to help your game? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, and I actually, we did, you know, when we were in during quarantine after schools got, our, our school got shut down last spring, we did, we had some like team cooking contests on, on zoom and on, in our, in our group chat and stuff like that. So I think um, I kind of talked to everyone while they were home. I was like, this is a great opportunity for you all to really develop some cooking skills. And 
work on just being able to kind of take care of yourself a little bit and put me, you know, have more control over what exact things you're putting into your, into your body. And while, while most of our players do live on campus and are eating at like the, the eating, the dining halls and whatnot on campus, there are some that either have a kitchen within their residence or a couple of some who are living off campus. And it's been encouraging to, to hear that they're continuing to cook healthy, cook healthy foods. And um, I think that they, I, among our players, I think they're health conscious enough that there's not a ton of, they're not cooking with a lot of added sugar. Um, I don't think that they realize that a lot of the stuff that they are probably getting either from takeout or just some of the processed food has as many things that aren't good for you in it. Um, and so, and then the other challenge is that when you're 18 to 22, you could put a, a lot of different things into your body and feel you know, okay, so to speak after it compared to, you know, if, if I have, you know, I know how my body feels after I have like a beyond burger or an impossible burger versus if I have like, you know, a, a lentils for dinner or something, something like that. So, you know, I, I certainly try to minimize what we're, what we're doing, but we have some of those things from time to time. And I think, you know, everyone needs to sort of figure out what works best for them. Diane says, such a nice, easygoing guy. <laughs> Try to be. <laughs> it's because it's because of the food. It's because of the fruits and vegetables, everyone. Right. So do you ever have the team over and make them dinner to show them how delicious this can be? I've done it. Yeah, I've done it in the past. I was actually, um, I, I right now I have certain players on the team that are particularly like that either cook a lot or, or like are health conscious. And I actually felt bad that this normally at the end of the season, we like to have a get together and, and do some things like that. But, um, because of, because of COVID we, we weren't able to last, uh, last spring, but, uh, but yeah. And I, and I think also we, if, when it's doable, I've taken my teams, <coughs> my team, my teams to plant-based, um, restaurants and whatnot after meals. Um, we actually, in um, in non-COVID times, we would often come out to California for for a week and train and play some matches. And I think taking there's so many good options there that um, taking the team for a meal and you know some of them will be a, grumble a little bit at the beginning and then they get their meal and they're like, oh my god, this is delicious. So um, that's been another thing that I've tried to try to do whenever I can, and it, it's partly selfish because I want to go to those places too. So. <laughs> That's nice. You mentioned that it, it seems like the female players are maybe more likely to embrace this or try this. Do you think it's because of the stereotypes that you can't be manly if you don't eat meat? Yeah, I mean, I think that's still there. I think that's still there a little bit. I think it's decreasing. And I've actually done some, some when I was at Wheaton, actually, when I was coaching Caroline, I was doing some healthy masculinity work on campus um, within athletics to really kind of try to break down just a lot of the different things that go into that type of, that type of perspective. Um, and I think on the women's side, I think they're just more, yeah, I think they're more health conscious. I think they're more, I think they're, they've just been in more in tune with their bodies for a longer period of time. And so it's easier for them to sort of absorb that material. And then guys, I think they, it just takes them a little bit, a little bit longer. Um, and, but I think it's also changing because I think it's becoming much more and more common that they aren't as judgmental about it. Um, 
I don't know if that's different across different uh, across different sports. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you know a football player, a football coach might respond to that question with with their teams. But I, I do think that broadly, because um, I've had a lot of athletes across sports over the years, like they'll see me. You know, I, I think for for a number of years, I was the person that on staff that everyone saw me walking into work every day with my mason jar with my smoothie, and so word word starts to spread and so i'd have players from all different types of sports asking me questions so it wasn't you know skewed towards more more towards one gender or the other but yeah i think we still got some some of that to break down among among male student athletes but i, I do think it's getting much better now than it was even five years ago or, or 10 years ago nice do you coach uh, singles doubles both both, both. Yeah. So within a, within a college tennis match, when you're playing against a, a school, um, you're going to play three doubles pro sets followed by six singles matches. And so players can play both of those. And so, yeah, we need a, we need a team that can be, be great at both of those, both of those things. Oh, you know, uh, Monica saying that, you know, the men that don't want to do this, you should tell them about the canary in the coal mine. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> We'll give it a, I'll give it a shot next time. Uh, next time I'm, I'm around them. Uh, just say the racket's not the only thing we want you to be able to raise. Exactly. <laughs> Great question from Diane. Who's your favorite professional tennis player? I, um, that is a good question. I think, um, I, I think among active players, I'm, you know, this is going to sound a bit cliche, but Roger Federer has been my, been my favorite for a while. I think I, I tried to play like him, I do a very poor imitation of, of him uh, on court, but I think stylistically, I always grad, gravitated towards, towards him and um, an older player that I used to, when I was younger, that I used to love was um, this Brazilian player named Gustavo. Uh, Gustavo Quirton um, on the men's side and then on the women's side there's a player that she probably retired probably seven or eight years ago named Justine Justine Hennen uh, Arden and she just loved the way that she used to that she used to play and um, among the current crop of pro women's players uh, Naomi Osaka is just is just phenomenal I actually got to to meet her very very briefly a, a few years ago and um this was before she kind of just exploded on the on the scene, but it was uh, it was cool to to meet her right before before all that happened. That's neat. At what? How old are is your kid going to have to be before you put a tennis racket? In oh, hand? <laughs> probably a, we got a few more, a few at least a few more years to 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 get there, and we'll we'll see we'll see what type of sports or whatever whatever his interests are. I mean, I, I was really fortunate. I, I played. Um, soccer basketball and tennis growing up and kind of eventually just started specializing and focusing on tennis uh, when I got to high school but I think people in the U.S. generally specialize a little too early and so I, I think that we'll if he if he's interested in playing sports we'll have him play a bunch of different sports for for quite a while but yeah we'll, we'll get a tennis racket into his hands every now and then uh, for for sure it's a good sport to it's a good sport to to know one of the few sports you, you truly can play for most of your life. That is cool. Do you have any pets? Someone asks. No, no pets here. No pets here. Though I think when, if we knew how, how long quarantine was going to be, we probably would have gotten a pet, but I think we thought this was going to be a much shorter experience than it, than it is. Um, so we, uh, we got, 
our 12, our 12 week old is a, is enough of a handful right now. So pets, pets far down the road. All right. That was the one thing that was the hardest about college is there's no pets unless you, you yeah. know, there's just like literally no pets at college. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it was funny when, um, when I was at Wheaton, when I was coaching Caroline, um, the people would take their, whether it was like staff or faculty or people that lived in the area would, would take their pets for walks. And it was, I'd say at least a couple times a week, our entire practice would get disrupted by someone walking their dog right next to our courts and everyone would stop whatever they were doing just to go say hi and hang out with, uh, with the dog or dogs that were, that were going by. And I was like, well, I understand. I can't, can't blame them for wanting to, to do that. You know, I think that would help the stress a lot. And, you know, we, we're still kind of under quarantine here we, and I volunteered for years. We haven't been able to volunteer since actually the beginning of March. But one of the things I did with my dog is I was part of a team that we would go to all the high schools mm-hmm. during finals, just yeah, yeah, yeah. that actually helped the, the students do better because they were so stressed. So they, they really should have this kind of program in college too. I know they, they definitely, they definitely should. That's a, that's a great idea. I, I think I've heard of them doing stuff like that, like during midterm or during midterms or during finals. Um, but um, yeah, I think everyone would be well served with, um, with a whole bunch of animals being around them on, on campus for sure. You know, I have a service dog. I have a disability. I don't talk about it a lot because it's not germane to what mm-hmm. I do, but I remember when I finished college, I, the teacher I didn't even know that I had a dog the whole time because they're so well, mine was so well behaved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, my God, I, you know, all these years you, and I never noticed be- better behaved than any of my students ever were. So. <laughs> <laughs> the question about tennis elbow from Elizabeth, what do you recommend for it? So I would actually say that the, generally the issue with tennis elbow, or one of the main issues with tennis elbow is around your, your contact point. So like if you're making contact a little bit late um, or beside you, as opposed to in front of you, it's going to cause like more inflammation in this, in this area of your, of your arm. So I would try to make contact a little further, further in front. Um, and um and just when you're trying to create topspin, just be really relaxed. So like oftentimes if we're trying to force the issue and um, you're ending, you're trying to like, you want to be really relaxed and have your muscles be relaxed and they'll automatically contract at contact. So um, just try to stay a little bit more relaxed instead of forcing it and just try to keep that contact point out in front. So Carla says, please let coach know that he and the team are welcome to come to our West End Tennis Club in Torrance, California. The team can work out on our courts and there are plenty of vegan options around and Torrance is not that far from where your parents live. That sounds like a fantastic idea. I, um, I don't know what our travel schedule is going to be like because of COVID, but I can almost certainly promise you that in uh, probably February of 2022 um, we'll be we'll be out there with uh, with the team so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you up on that okay I'll, I'll connect uh, write me through the mailing list and I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you guys so here's a question on sodium for athletes what do you recommend yeah it kind of depends on I think it depends on the athlete and it depends on what the conditions are so obviously you know, right now in Boston, it's like not particular, it's like 50 degrees and, or it's a little warmer than that, but you know, if it's cooler out and 
you're not necessarily sweating out as much as much sodium and electrolytes and all that stuff um, during training, then you want to, you maybe don't need to like, it doesn't need to be a huge point of emphasis from a replenishment standpoint, or you don't need to overdo it. I think that if it's, if you're down in Florida and it's 95 degrees and full humidity and you're, you're sweating, you're, you're soaking through two or three shirts while you're, while you're training, then yeah, you've got to really be conscious of just making sure you're getting enough of that, of that in your, in your body. Um, and that's one of those things, you know, I, I don't know that I, so much of what I try to do is really around like just whole foods and after matches or after competition, like eating fruits and eating just foods that are going to replenish your, your electrolytes and just get your, keep your energy, keep your energy up in addition to like stuff that's going to be more slower to process. Um, like, um, like lentils, beans, legumes, that type of grains, that type of stuff. So I would, um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't focus as I, I don't focus as much on sort of like the smaller macronutrients, micronutrients, but um, it's obviously important. And it's sort of like if you if you feel like you're not feeling great recovery wise, then you want to make sure you're boosting boost your sodium, all of your electrolytes, et cetera. Cool. Somebody's watching from Framingham says, hello, any exercises to improve backhand and wants to know backhand is so hard. Like even in pickleball, I wish there was a way you never had to do backhand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um, I think what I would say, and this is one of the things I really focus on with my, with my players is I think with tennis, so much of the emphasis happens from in terms of striking the ball, everyone's really focusing on the upper body. And I would really focus on making sure you're, you have good rhythm and flow into your shot and then really focus on making contact in the right spot in front of your body. Um, if you can do that, the rest of that, the rest of the stuff will fall into fall into line a little bit more, but I think so much of, so much of tennis is just feeling like you're in rhythm. So like taking, having a good couple of steps into each shot and just keeping your eyes at contact and really seeing yourself strike the ball is going to go a long way um, towards, towards improving that. And, um, and yeah, if without, without seeing you hit a tennis ball, that's the, probably the, the most significant advice I can give you in that regard. Hmm. Pauline says, do you do any volunteer coaching with kids recreational programs? Um, I have in the past right now, it kind of, you know, it depends on sort of what's going on. We, um, our teams have actually, we do, um, if this is all kind of on hold with, with COVID, but for, for about the past, actually more than 10 years, we've been volunteering with Acing Autism, which is a, an organization that um, teaches tennis to students on the, on the autism spectrum. So we've had players volunteering and going to, to teach kids, um, most weekends for for a long time and, and sadly that is all on hold um, because of because of COVID but we'll hopefully be back back to that uh, whenever whenever it's safe to whenever it's safe to do so. Did you know that near where I live called Indian Wells there's this really famous tennis tournament every year? Mm -hmm. Yeah 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 that's a that's a fun you got to go whenever the next time it's held is uh, and they're allowing spectators it's uh, it's a pretty incredible place ever, to go. Have you ever attended or do you have any plans? I've, I've been to the facility. I haven't, um, I haven't been at the tournament, um, before, but, um, you know, it's interesting. People always sort of focus on the grand slams and the U S open and all of those are really fun. But some of the, these other events like Indian Wells, some of the other master series events 
are just the facilities are smaller. So you're just much closer to the court. So you just, and it's all, it's still all the top players playing. You just now are seeing them from a better vantage point and you're more likely to go see them practicing and, and just kind of hanging around the facility. So um, yeah, that's a, that's really one of the best tournaments I think anyone can, can go to. So I'm, I'm jealous of how close you are to it. I, re- I mean, I drive by it almost every time I'm in the car, you just can't, <laughs> it's right here. So cool. Well, if you ever come to the area, please look me up and I'll make you a delicious meal and we'll, we'll zoom with your parents. I'll do a little intervention. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not as, I'm not as scary as I sound really, but you know, the thing that's so great about what, what you're doing is, is kind of, if, even if everybody that's already vegan influenced one person, can you imagine? Mm-hmm. the ramifications? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's been really encouraging just to see just the growth of plant-based foods and the popularity of it around around the country. It's, I mean, I think that doesn't, that doesn't happen without a lot of people really loving and believing in what they're, what they're doing. And so, yeah, I think for all of us, it's just trying to first model, model what we want to see other people do, and then just continue to give people the tools to make sustainable changes in their, in their own lives in ways that make sense to them. So um, more we Thank you for doing that. And that's, I really appreciate what you're doing. It's been wonderful meeting you and talking to you. Is there anything else you want people to leave people with or want them to know? Either about um, um, Not a ton. I think just, um, you know, do what feels right to you and try to, when you're trying to, it's, it can sometimes be a little tricky to change any part of your lifestyle. So try to do it without judgment. If you try going plant-based for a couple of weeks and then you really want to have a, a non-vegan meal, like, go, go have it. That doesn't make you, that doesn't mean you failed. It means that you did a great job being vegan for a couple of weeks and, you know, just like do what feels right to you and everyone ticks a little bit differently, but, you know, trying to just do your best to just try to make healthy changes and, you know, slowly increase the amount of plant-based food that you're, that you're consuming and, and trust how you feel trust how you feel and, and go from there. But um, I really appreciate you having me on. And, and this was really wonderful to, to get to chat with you. And um, yeah, thanks again. It was so nice to meet you, coach. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. If you come back at 3 p.m. today, Sandy Pluis will be making potato waffles from Australia. And she's going to show you how to make them, even if you don't have a waffle iron. And tomorrow we have three live shows, including none other than Dr. John McDougall, Dr. Jen Hawk, and Dr. Doug Lyle. Thanks again, coach. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you. Bye.